Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Stars Are Calling You podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Lee Lantieri, an ITA energy medicine practitioner, holistic counselor, intuitive empath, and spiritual writer, here to bridge the gap between science and spirituality. In this space, we deep dive every week into topics designed to help you align with your true and highest self, raise your frequency and vibration, learn the tools to help you self-heal, rewire your subconscious mind, transform your mindsets, and co-create the life of your dreams. I believe the stars have called you to this podcast for a reason. Let's dive in and find out why. Hello, my beautiful friend. Welcome or welcome back to the Stars Are Calling You podcast. I hope the beginning of 2023 has been serving you well and that January has been a really beautiful time for you to sit, reflect, and also get a jump start on all of the beautiful resolutions and routines and changes that you feel called to pursue. And if you don't feel called to pursue any of those, I also hope that you had a really grounding and abundant month filled with gratitude, clarity, and love. And so staying true to my goal for season four of the Stars Are Calling You podcast, I'm here with an episode all about psychology. So currently I'm in a bit of a busy season. I'm in the home stretch of finishing my bachelor degree and also becoming certified as a mental health counselor. And the class I am currently in is teaching me how to diagnose and treat mood disorders. And the first disorder we spoke about was depression. And In this class, we learned about certain theories of how depression can come about, what can really cause these symptoms to stir up in individuals, even though every single person is unique and their case is completely unique to them. And one of these theories is learned helplessness. And as I'm learning about this, I am realizing just how vital it is that everyone understand this psychological phenomena so that they can combat this if it ever arises. So today I want to talk about learned helplessness, what it is, how it came to be discovered, how this can show up in your life, and then also how to rewire learned helplessness into learned optimism. And all of today's teachings can be cited back to Martin Seligman, who first noticed what learned helplessness is in the 1960s during an experiment. And then he also went on to discuss learned optimism in one of his self-help books that he published. So with that said, I have a lot to get to, so I want to just jump right into it. Before I get started, I want to say that you don't need to be depressed in order to gain a lot of valuable insights from this episode. I just learned about learned helplessness in my course describing theories behind depression, but this can lead to so many different types of offsets or just misalignment. I believe that every single person should understand this concept so that if it ever does arise or you notice that it has arisen in the past, that you are equipped with the tools to handle this so that, God forbid, you don't go down a spiral that leads to depressive-like symptoms. So, what is learned helplessness? Learned helplessness is the term defining when an individual learns to accept and endure unpleasant stimuli and also becomes unwilling to avoid them even when it is avoidable. 
So in depression, it is depression due to the lack of control over outcomes. So how did Martin Seligman learn this? So he had a study. There were two groups of dogs in harnesses that received electric shocks. One group of dogs could press a lever to turn off the shock, while the other group of dogs had no such option. So they were experiencing an inescapable shock. And he wanted to know what would happen to these dogs psychologically from being in these states. So you have one group of dogs who can control whether or not they experience the unpleasant stimuli, and then you have another group of dogs who cannot control whether they experience the unpleasant stimuli in the form of a shock. And this is what happened. After the dogs experienced the shocks in their own respective groups, the ones who can control and the ones that couldn't, they were all put into the same exact type of box. So now they were given the option to jump over a hurdle to escape the shocks. And the dogs that were exposed to the uncontrollable electrical shocks in part one of the experiment acted passively and helplessly, even though they could escape the shocks. So even though that they could jump over the hurdle and not get shocked anymore, they didn't even try. They just sat there and took it, didn't even try to escape it. Because in part one, they learned that they were helpless, that shocks were just something that happened to them and nothing they could do could prevent it, so why even try? They were helpless. Whereas the dogs in part one who had control over escaping the shocks by pressing that lever, when they were experiencing the shocks in part two where they could jump over the hurdle, they did. They reacted actively and they escaped it by jumping over the hurdle, or if they couldn't do it, at least they tried to escape it. So the idea here you know, because we're not dogs and we're not in these confined boxes getting electrical shocks. The idea is that when humans have no control over adverse events in their lives, whether it's tests or challenges, whatever it may be, when they have no control over the negative stimuli in their life, they learn. They become programmed to believe that they are helpless. And so what this does is it makes them unmotivated to respond actively in the future. Okay, so now let's reflect on that information a little bit. I know I just threw a lot at you. But let's say you're a kid and you experience negative events at home and you cannot control them. You cannot control your home life. You cannot go out and get a job and move out of home. You are a child and you are experiencing these negative events. Maybe it's physical, emotional, psychological, whatever it may be. It is possible that through these experiences that you cannot control, you adopt this limiting belief system that you don't have any control. You just don't. So here is when I want to make a very big distinction between feeling sad and feeling helpless. You can feel sad, you can feel down, you can even feel depressed about something, but feeling helpless is a belief that you cannot do anything, that you cannot achieve it, that you are completely stuck in your circumstances. And that is completely different than feeling sad. They are both lower moods, but they are different. And so when you experience these adverse events when you're young, you can adopt this feeling of helplessness. And what I'm learning in my class is that this feeling of helplessness can lead to depression when you experience further negative events in the future. And this is why I'm feeling so called to share it because not all people who experience events that are negative that they cannot control adopt this. Yes, Statistically, the dogs did, but humans, that's not always the case. We are very multifaceted and we are also not dogs. And something really interesting is that now we have this question of, okay, so 
Why? Why does learned helplessness only occur in some people, but not others? And that comes down to resilience and learned optimism. Just because you have a perceived lack of control, or there's events in your life that you actually cannot control, does not mean that you are doomed to fall down this negative thinking pattern and become like a dog stuck in a cage getting shocked. You have the power to rewire any limiting belief or to prevent a limiting belief from forming, from learning to be optimistic and having resilience when it comes to your mental health and self-development. The dogs in the second part of the experiment, they could escape, but they believed that they could not, and so they didn't. But the other dogs, they didn't actually know whether or not they could escape, but they tried. They just tried, and they figured out a way or they didn't, but they acted in an active way. They didn't just sit and take it. And so I want to pause for another reflection and ask you, are there areas in your life where you think that you're helpless, where you just accept your circumstances for as they are, and you believe that you cannot change them? Is there anything in your life like that? Now, is that true? Or is that a veil? Is that all an illusion? Could it be that because of your past experiences, in this life, and maybe even past lives, you've been conditioned to believe that you are helpless in certain situations, that you cannot change them, that you are stuck. But what if that's not actually true? What if you are capable of co-creating a reality in which whatever situation arose in your head when I asked that question no longer is in your field? I believe, I believe that that is true, that we are capable so much more capable than we know. I'll also say as a caveat that there are some situations that are soul contracted or that we are meant to experience for a deeper divine reason. And I'm not saying to mess with fate or destiny or your purpose or whatever it is you believe in. But what I am saying is that there are situations that we find ourselves in, like the dogs in the cage, that We believe we just have to take it, grin and bear it, and that we can't do anything. And that is a feeling of helplessness. The opposite of helplessness is optimism. And optimism can be used as a tool not just to no longer feel helpless, but to give you the best chance at success in all areas of your life, whether it's career, relationships, self-development work, healing. Optimism allows you to shift your belief systems. And it helps give a new way to explain the situations you're in and even to explain your failures. And optimism gives you the ability to control your destiny, to take up the pen and live in demonstration of what it means to co-create with the universe itself. So let's take this one step further. Learned helplessness can be a theory to describe why some people find themselves in depressive episodes or even with depressive mood disorders. However, learned helplessness is also something that can sneak up and infiltrate the small little corners of our lives without making a big stink, without us really noticing that something major is off. And this can be in the form of not really trying again once we fail at something or don't do something perfectly the first time. This can be assuming that because you didn't have a lot of friends growing up that you're just not someone who's very likable and you won't have friends in the future so you don't put yourself out there in social situations. 
This could be that you failed that one math test in middle school, and now you genuinely believe that you are bad at math, and that leads you to not even try. So now you find yourself not doing well in math in your high school classes, in your college classes, and so on. Learned helplessness can affect the way you see yourself, the way you see your situations, and whether or not you are in control of changing the undesirable. So if you're someone who is like, oh, dang it, (laughs) I think that I have learned to be helpless in some situations in my life, don't fret because you learned it, which means you can unlearn it and you can learn optimism instead. You can learn resilience. And I'm going to share three major tips, three take-home things that you could do right now to start to rewire your brain from helplessness into optimism. And the first one is to rewire your attribution styles. So someone who is pessimistic, not optimistic, will think things are internal, global, and stable. People who are optimistic view things as external, specific, and unstable. And so now let me get into what those mean. So if something is internal, it means it is personal. And if something is external, it means it is due to an outside force. So for example... Let's say you have a bad interaction with a Starbucks barista. An internal attribution would be, oh my gosh, I have really poor interpersonal skills. I don't know how to talk to people. I always piss people off. And that is pessimistic. Whereas an optimistic view would be something that is external, something that is due to outside factors, not like yourself. So that would be saying like, oh, well, maybe the barista was in a really irritable mood and she wasn't actually mad at me. She was just having a bad day. Furthermore, if something is global, it means it is replicated across all areas of your life, whereas if something is specific, it is just one incident that is being referred to. So let's give an example for global versus specific. So if you're pessimistic, you'll think things are global. So let's say you get a boyfriend and you have a really horrible breakup and you think all boys are awful and that you're never going to find a boyfriend because they just don't know how to treat you right. That is a pessimistic outlook. And then an optimistic outlook would be to see it as specific and say, okay, well, this was just one relationship. This was just one boy. And he does not define all men whatsoever. There are going to be boyfriends that I have in the future that are going to treat me right. I'm going to find my one because this was just one isolated experience with just one boy. And now if something is stable, It means that it's something that will always remain the same, whereas something is unstable, it means that it is changeable, it will not remain the same. So stable outlook or attribution is pessimistic. And so, for example, that would be like if you failed a test and you say, oh, well, I just, I'm not a good test taker. I don't do well on any tests. Like, I just can't do it. And then an optimistic outlook would be an unstable attribution. And if you failed a test, you would say, okay, I didn't do well on this one test, but I'll just do better on the next test. I always have opportunity to change the outcome and grow and learn. And so as a little recap, tip number one is to change your attribution. Instead of seeing things as internal, personal to yourself, see it as external. Instead of viewing things as global, something that is across everything in your life, view it as specific about just one isolated event. And then rather then thinking something is stable, that is unchangeable, view things as unstable, meaning that you have the ability to change them. 
You are not confined to just one thing. And this may take some time, but something I recommend is keeping a journal. And every time you find yourself feeling really anxious or sad or just offset about a situation that doesn't make you feel good, that you feel helpless in, every time you come up against a very helpless, stuck spot, write down your thoughts and analyze, okay, is this internal or external? Is this global or specific? Is this stable or unstable? And through time, you'll get more comfortable with recognizing what type of attributions you are associating with the situation. And then with that awareness, you can start to practice switching it to the optimistic version. So remember, pessimism is internal, global, and stable, and optimism is external, specific, and unstable. Okay, and then my next tip for you, tip number two for how to learn optimism is a technique called tapping into your inner optimist. And this is a technique that would best be done with a journal. It involves first reflecting on some of the negative experiences that you've had. So you can ask yourself something like, what were some things that really bothered me this week? And what were the difficulties I faced in my interpersonal relationships, in the workplace, at home, whatever it may be. And so you write down those challenges and what annoyed you. And then the second step is to then focus on the positive. And so you can say, okay, what were some of the things that made me feel really happy, excited, or joyful this week? What's one thing I did this week that makes me feel really proud? And what this exercise is really meant to accomplish is it's meant to get you to look at your week in two different lenses. You can look at your week or your day even if you want to do this as a daily practice. And you could say, okay, I can look at my week and see all of the bad things that happened or the irritable things or the things that I felt like I couldn't control. Or I could look at my week and see all of the beauty and the good and the positive. And you can ask yourself, how do you feel now that you wrote down all of the amazing things that happened this week? Even if it was like, I had a really good cup of coffee on Tuesday. And on Thursday, I really liked my outfit. And Friday, I watched one of the best movies I've ever watched in my whole life. Really feel into the energy of the optimistic journal prompt. And then choose to be in that space. Ask yourself how it felt to write down the pessimistic stuff versus how it felt to write down the optimistic stuff. And then ask yourself any insights that you gained from this. And then once you have this, use it. I personally do not recommend writing down the negative things of your day or your week every day or week at all. Words have power and what you write down manifests. So I would say this as just an every once in a while exercise to get your mind into the optimistic part. So what I then recommend as a consistent practice is sit down with your journal and reflect on your day or reflect on your week. Allow all of the good and the bad to arise. Notice what comes up. Notice if the good comes up more or if the bad comes up more. Just sit in silence, maybe close your eyes and reflect. And don't judge anything that comes up. Also, don't write anything down yet. And then part two of this exercise, after you've mentally reflected on the day or week, is to pick up your journal and pen and to write down all of the positive things that happened. Every single one that you can remember. And then after that, after you've gotten into that energetic state of gratitude and optimism, then I want you to rewrite some of the negative in the positive. So let's say a negative was that 
you bombed a test. You, you just completely failed it. So instead of going down that rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do well in this class. I'm just not a good test taker, blah, blah, blah. What you can write down is that you are grateful to have the opportunity to learn and gain an education. You are grateful for the opportunity to try again. You are grateful that you learned the ways that work for you when it comes to studying and the ways that don't work for you when it comes to studying. By rewriting your negative experiences in the positive and finding little things to be grateful for, you are reinforcing optimism into the neural pathways of your brain, and then you are preventing learned helplessness from being your default. It is not your fault if this is something you've learned psychologically. It is not your fault. You are also not stuck. You are not helpless. You have the ability to take control back of your mindset and be optimistic. And then the final tip I have for you in order to learn optimism and rewire your brain to align with the energy of I can do this is to visualize your best possible self. And this is backed up by research that visualizing and writing about your best possible self can have immensely positive outcomes. So envision a future where everything has turned out exactly the way you would like them to be. And even if that is not something that comes to pass, getting into the energy of, ah, it's okay. Everything's worked out. Everything is exactly as I desire them. Getting into that energy is actually what's going to help you co-create exactly what you do need to manifest and what is actually your destiny, even if it's something that you can't really anticipate right now. That's okay. It's getting into that space of not worrying and feeling like everything's doom and gloom and bound to be destroyed. It is getting to the energy of, no, what I want can come to be. If I desire it, I can achieve it. So you can write about this. You can sit in meditation and visualize this. But ultimately, what these three exercises are getting you to do, it's, it's getting you to do some mental workouts. It's getting you into the gym mentally. And it's you working over and over in different types of ways, whether it's your attribution, whether it's visualizing your best self, whether it's writing down the good parts of your week and rewiring the negative parts into a positive. This is helping the neural pathways of your brain fire and wire positively rather than fire and wire negatively. And the more you do this, the more natural and easy it will become. This, these practices are something that you can utilize a lot in the beginning and that you can tamper off with once it becomes ingrained. This is not something you have to do every single day for the rest of your life in order to be an optimist. This is how you can unlearn helplessness and instead learn optimism. I know this was a really heavy episode. It got really deep. It really got your mind working, but I am so, so grateful for the opportunity to share what I am learning with you. And I hope from the bottom of my heart that I've been able to offer you something to take with you and transform and heal and align with things that make you feel more optimistic and grateful and joyful and like you are in control because I promise you from the bottom of my heart, you can do this. And with that said, I'm sending infinite light and love your way and I will talk to you next week. Bye.